0: here with the Dynamic Leaders podcast mini series, how to become a master of performing under pressure. And today we're going to be talking about external pressure. Um, Last episode, we touched a lot on internal pressure. So we're just kind of turning that on its head and talking about the flip side today and talking about how external pressure is different from internal pressure. And something that I started off with last episode was how those lines can get pretty blurred and honestly kind of confusing how sometimes you can mistake internal pressure for external pressure and vice versa. So I always think about it with my external pressure. The biggest thing for me is when you're playing a sport in high school, college, whatever level it may be, ultimately, probably most of your external pressure is coming from your coaches and your teammates, because those are the ones who kind of dictate the day-to-day if you're going to get playing time you obviously want to impress them you obviously want to do well in front of your coaches Um, and we're going to talk a lot about that last next episode um, and we'll touch on that in the end but when I think about my external pressures I definitely the first thing my mind goes to is the coaches aspect for sure in terms of external pressure I think there are a lot of things that have changed in the past couple of years that are extremely noteworthy and play a big role on athletes today that might not have played a role with athletes years ago. And something that Colin and I really are adamant about that we want to get in and talk a lot about this episode is the role of social media in external pressure. And as I mentioned earlier, that's something that is relatively new to the sports world and even more so now with the NIL agreement and laws that just all kind of got put in place. So There's a lot to unpack (laughs) with this and I'm looking at my notes here and it's just pressure to look a certain way as an athlete, pressure to have a certain daily routine as an athlete. I'm constantly scrolling through TikTok and I see like, oh, this is my daily routine as an athlete. And it's like, I'm waking up at 5am, making my protein oats, going, doing my lift, doing my run. And sometimes my day's don't look like that sometimes I'm sleeping until noon because that's what my body needs so I think it's been interesting having these conversations with Colin because I've social media has definitely played a big role in my career as an athlete but not as much so with Colin definitely
1: <laughs> yeah you're, you're calling me old I mean that's yeah. that's what it is <laughs> well,
0: that's a nice way saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because to your point I mean social media it's what 14 years old at this point or right. so or maybe a little bit older than that but right. in terms of the way that it's used today it's even younger like yes. what the last five seven years or so yes. maybe yes. Um, you know i think twitter kind of started it and you know, instagram and tiktok like you mentioned that's all just really catapulted it to a different <laughs> different stratosphere yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely. what um, uh, Go ahead. I, I, I'll I let you finish. And then I, I have some thoughts. <laughs> okay.
0: So I was just going to say, like, I think before this time, like I always talked to my parents and my dad was like, you know, you would just go out and play and do your thing. And that was that. There was really no buildup. There was really no afterwards. It was just the span of the game. And that's really all that you had to focus on. And I think about the way that athletes are, portrayed on social media and something that I struggle with as a female athlete. And I know a lot of my teammates and other fellow female athletes struggle with is this pressure of looking a certain way as an athlete. And I think that has been brought to light even more so recently in terms of social media and just finding that balance between fitting society's standards of being a skinny little girl. And then meeting the athlete standard of being strong and fast and powerful and truly prepared to do your best in your sport. And I think that's just one way that has really impacted my team, my program and other girls I know who play sports at the collegiate level as a whole, like that just adds a completely different dimension to all of this. That I think is definitely worth noting for sure. And then I think too, like, For obviously, Davidson Pilaki is not getting televised nationally. I mean, if it was, that would be really cool. But (laughs) (laughs) I think for a small percentage of student athletes, there's that pressure to perform in front of a national audience and stage. And obviously, I think that's been around for a longer time, having those big March Madness games on TV. I don't think that's relatively new, but it is new for me, at least. I play Dave Pilaki. It's not a huge program, but... I can, I know that every single game that I play, my stats will be uploaded to the internet. When you look at my bio, when you Google my name, you can see how many minutes I've played in each game, how many career starts I've had. And that does add pressure definitely because I know that someone can go and look at my roster page and honestly for better or for worse, determine my worth as an athlete in terms of how I'm contributing on the field. Um, so that's definitely something, too, on a smaller scale that has impacted me.
1: Yeah. And you are going to be more of the expert in this field because you're, right. you're living it in yeah. real life. Yeah. Whereas, as we talked about on previous episodes, it, it was around, but not in the same way. It just didn't affect me in the way that it would if I was your age coming up playing a sport right now. And I think what you were touching on toward the end there is access. So I definitely want to come back to that. Yes. But one of the things I also wanted to talk about, or at least mention here, is so what the difference between external pressure and internal pressure, right? Yeah. External pressure, to me, what's most interesting is way less controllable but can be so much more detrimental, especially in the moment. And some of you may be shaking your head and saying, well, didn't you talk so much about mental health and mental toughness and the internal pressures and how all that's connected? And yes, that's true. But what's really, this is why it is really interesting, is you can be super mentally tough. You can be super mentally healthy. You can have all those internal pressures under control. And then something crazy happens on the field that you've never seen before. You don't know how you're going to react. You may think, you know, how you're going to react. Right. And that, that is, that becomes that moment becomes the external pressure. It's like, oh crap. Okay. What, what do I do? And you, and you have to trust yourself. You have to trust your training and you think that, but but you don't know. And, and, and I think that's what scares us all when we talk about external pressures Is we're like, okay, to a certain extent, we don't know how we're going to react. And then when you tie that into like the social media and you tie that into access, access can mean, okay, the stats that you were talking about, but it can also mean another 20 year old field hockey player, you know, seeing what's going on with your program who's potentially looking to make a switch. Um, It can mean, you know, some 60 year old man. Uh, checking Mm -hmm. checking things out as well for whatever reason you don't know who's looking at your information you don't know why they're looking at your profile or whatever it is but it's public and it's out there and I know there are filters and there are privacy things and ways that you can do it but it it is it is kind of scary to think that not only are you dealing with the comparison game kind of as, as you were talking about but you're you're dealing with—is uh, somebody gonna, you know, show up uh, because they they've been creeping on my social media profile, and you know, like these are real concerns, unfortunately, yeah. in in 2021. That you know, it's the same reason why Halloween trick or treating attendance goes down year over years because you know people just aren't as trusting, and and I don't know, it's 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 scary, <laughs> you know, it really is. <laughs> it
0: is. And that's funny that you say that because. I'm originally from New Jersey. I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. And when I went to Davidson, the, my first impression of kind of this Southern hospitality was <laughs> I met some woman on campus. She was walking a dog. The dog is like famous on campus. It has its own Instagram. And she was like, Hey girls, like you should come over and swim in our pool with the dog. And all my friends who are from like Virginia, North Carolina are like, Oh yeah. Like, that's great. Sounds good. And I was like, guys, this lady's going to kill us. Like We don't know who she is. We don't know her intentions. And they're like, no, Natalie, this is just kind of how things work here. Like everyone's just nice and hospitable. And that's something I had to adjust to. And it's almost the same way transitioning into being a college athlete. And something that I have struggled with a lot is I always give people the benefit of the doubt and saying, oh, they're coming to our games because they're supporting us or Oh, they're DMing me on Instagram because they want to learn more about me and our program. And it can get you into trouble. I connected with someone on LinkedIn and he sent me a screenshot of my roster picture back and was like, is this you? I'm so excited to speak with you. And I was like, this seems like it's crossing a line that I'm not interested in doing, especially on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting to think about once you buy into being a college athlete, you buy into being public. And to whatever extent that is, whether you're a super successful college football player getting drilled by like analysts on ESPN, or you're just a little Dave hockey player who's having those creepy interactions on LinkedIn, like it varies by degree, but it's all happening, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the only way to avoid the mass of it all is to not have social media. And like, I understand to a certain extent that social media is detrimental. I mean, I've, I've felt it as a 32 year old adult. Um, but it's such a way of life that, you know, in some ways it's, 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 you know, like, like social media. So there's that social aspect for kids, for teenagers, for young adults, like yourself, where if you don't have one, You know, maybe you're not getting this the social aspect of 2021. That's hard for people who were, you know, born generations before to understand. But that that's how the world's evolving. So it's like I don't even know if I would recommend to someone to like completely shut it down from a social media standpoint. But you know, at the same time, it's like you said, it's almost like you enter into this this non-binding agreement where if you're an athlete, at especially at the collegiate level you're you're public like you are domain to everyone else and you just can't you know like you can't have the roger maris mentality back in 1961 when he just wanted to play baseball and everyone wanted to keep asking him about babe ruth and the home run record and he's like i'm some you know hick from fargo north dakota and or south dakota and like you just can't do that in today's world cause you can't hide as well. But I also think like, you know, people look toward athletes for like social responsibility and you know, all this stuff. And that plays into more external pressure. And it's like, you shouldn't be expected to know everything about what's going on in the world. In addition to being a leader of your team, in addition to being an excellent student, in addition to being a daughter, in addition to, you know, everything else that, that is part of your life. Like, just because you're an athlete means you need to take, you know, these, these harsh stances on X, Y, Z, or, you know, be really knowledgeable in every area of life. Like that's, that's the expectation, especially when you get to the pro ranks, but even with some of these college, you know, the big time program athletes, it's like, you know, they're, they're regular people yes. you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> so it's a lot of pressure
0: for sure. And I think this just totally jogged another thought of mine that I didn't even think about, but one of the first things my coaches addressed with us when I came in as a freshman in our preseason first team meeting is how we are supposed to represent ourselves on social media. And Interesting. we have the grandma rule where if you want to show a picture to your grandma, you won't, you shouldn't be posting on social media. And <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations with, I have a lot of friends that play at different schools, different levels, different sports. And it's, Fascinating the way that coaches also have this pressure now to make sure that their athletes are not only representing the program and the culture of the program on the field, on campus, when they have eyes on them, or when they're out doing whatever on a Saturday night, posting whatever they want. Like that is a whole different layer of responsibility for both the athlete and the coaches. And I was talking to a friend who posted a picture with a red solo cup and it was with her family on the 4th of July. And she was like, there was nothing in the red solo cup. It was lemonade, but her coach texted her and asked her to take it down and said, it's the red solo cup rule Like nothing with a red solo cup implies good above board behavior. And these are just things that you would never think of before. And I see my friends that don't play sports in college posting whatever with whatever in their hands. And it's just, interesting, the pressure, the anxiety that I almost go through before I post something on Instagram, making sure it's all above board and representing our team and our program the way I want it to be represented.
1: Yeah. And, you know, right there, you're talking, I mean, we're going to, we're going to go a little off topic to, to round it back, but you're talking about how difficult it is to have like a culture that's all encompassing, right. Yes. And to meet every different layer and to have everybody stay on board and be above that line. And it, like, you know, I don't know who, who's to say whether it's right or wrong that athletes should be held to this like Girl Scout, Boy Scout standard where, you know, they're they're doing everything the right way and and, and whatnot. Um, you know, that that's a conversation for someone much smarter than I am. But it, it is really interesting to, um, you know, if, if you're not an athlete, you know, you're you're probably not worried about that. You know, you could you could be in the the marching band at your school and post a picture with the red solo cup, and I don't I don't know that anyone's going to raise a raise a stink about it the way they would for your field hockey program, for example, and and you know other extracurriculars out there. I don't know that those same pressures come associated with it, and so it's like again, whether you. Want to be signed up for this or not? If you want to play sports, this is something you have to deal with,
0: exactly. And I think, too, just knowing that obviously, if you look at my name on Instagram, Natalie Natikia, you can Google Natalie Natikia, quickly find she's on the Davidson field hockey team. I have Davidson field hockey in my Instagram bio. And if someone follows me who is potentially looking to come to Davidson or potentially who knows, looking to transfer into Davidson, they can look at my one profile and that can be all they need to determine if that is a good fit for them, which is insane, but not far off. Like in my recruiting process, I would look the girls up on Instagram and be like, uh, they don't seem like people I would get along with or like, <laughs> they don't post pictures that like I would post, which sounds so minuscule, but It's such a way of life. It's like embedded into my thought processes. And I think the pressure of knowing that someone pursuing our school or our program based off of my Instagram page or a picture I post, like that sounds so extreme and so dramatic. But really, when I think at the end of the day, I think it is a factor. And that's just crazy that your social media platforms or just anything you're putting out into the world that's public can be representative of your team your program your school as a whole
1: yeah and i know somewhat related to this because we had talked about it on a previous episode and it was in the prep notes i mean the big thing with social media now is potential money that you can make off of it like you before you could have the biggest following in the world it didn't matter you couldn't make a cent off of it Mm -hmm. unless you were going to put your program at risk and now that that's a totally different conversation so it's like people want to use social media for money now Mm -hmm. and okay here's another layer and so it's like when that coach texts you texts you about the red solo cup right and you have you know I don't know 100,000 followers or something yeah and you're making x money off of every post it's going to be like i don't know coach i, I think i'm going to keep that up.
0: <laughs> make 10 grand from this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. To, like in terms of the NIL stuff i've been just looking into it because i think this is also fascinating now that this is even an option for athletes and obviously like i want to make some money like i'm yeah. looking like and a lot of what the NIL deals require is that you're public on all of your social media. So they can easily access you. They can easily see what you're posting. They can kind of check if you're following up with the agreement that you're posting the brand or whatever it may be. And I was having this conversation with my mom because (laughs) my mom is like, everything needs to be private always. She's like (laughs) very much wired that way. But it's interesting. Like, do I trade my public? Like, do I trade my private account for the potential of making money do i put myself more out there publicly for the potential of making money do i make a separate natalie nil account where i'm not posting things that are that personal to me like it is just kind of weird and hard to navigate and i feel like as an athlete this was kind of announced with a lack of guidance honestly like i think this is something that totally came out of nowhere and they're like all right go have fun and (laughs) I don't really know if what I'm doing is right or wrong or who knows. Um, But it is just another whole layer that I'm sure is going to complicate things over time. Hopefully once athletes get more of a grasp on it, it's not as challenging. But I think now everyone's kind of sitting in that gray area waiting for some concrete answers.
1: Yeah, I I don't envy the position that coaches are in or I don't even really envy the athletes because like you said there's very little guidelines and i think that's probably on purpose because the ncaa you know they i don't know if they are sure exactly how far they want to see it go and i don't know it's it's a, it's a big web and yes it's uh, something something that I, I i bet a year two years three years from now we we're having a conversation around this. We're going to have a, a much better understanding and be able to offer more to it. But it certainly is another layer. I'm curious, Natalie, with social media, like off the top of your head, do you have just you personally, like it, yeah. whether whether you took it from you know your your program or from friends or whatever it is, do you have some best practices that you think are you know you you believe are you know good ways to represent yourself? on social media in a way that allows you to be you and still you know, I guess have fun with it.
0: Yeah. I mean that's definitely I have always been kind of conscious of my social media just because my family has always followed me. My grandparents have followed me. So I've always (laughs) really followed that grandma So grandma
1: will see that picture. (laughs) Grandma
0: will be seeing it. (laughs) But something that I think is really helpful is if you're unsure about a post, or if you think it's kind of blurring those lines, it probably means it's a no. Like, I always when I go to post something, like, I usually have a pretty good idea of like, yes, this is okay, or no, it's not. And if I'm somewhere in the middle, I usually just stay safe. And I'm like, no, it's not if I'm even having a second thought. But something that I have tried to do is just document things that I'm doing on campus as a student athlete. And obviously I don't want my Instagram to become like me walking to practice, me eating dinner with my friends. But I think so much of my life is spent doing those things that it's honestly easier to just kind of document what is real and what I'm truly doing than try to fit like A facade of how I want to look on social media, if that makes sense. For me, it's always just been about, I want to post what makes me feel good, what makes me laugh, what makes my friends feel good. And I've never really thought much about it, but I know people who are super into how they look on social media and they spend hours editing pictures and they're trying to get the caption right, the punctuation, the right emojis. And I've obviously been there a couple times, but for the most part, I just think the less energy you put into social media, kind of the less you give it, the less of a platform you give to social media to impact you, whether that's negatively yeah. or positively. So that's kind of my general philosophy. And like, if I'm ever unsure about a post, I usually send it to my mom and I'm like, is this okay? <laughs> and she'll be very honest with me on if it's <laughs> it's, or if it's not. Um, but I think just having those resources and my team has someone, her role on the team, it's, Our marketing millennial. And if you're ever unsure about a post, if it meets our team guidelines, you send it over to her and she gives you the green light or the red light. And I think that's a super valuable resource to have as a team because you don't want to send a picture to a coach if it's a red light, you know? So it's nice to have a teammate who understands those rules thoroughly that you can kind of pass through before it's open to the coaches and everyone's eyes.
2: Yeah.
1: Nice little filter system.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think too, like, as you become a student athlete, I just think you're so busy that I definitely put more effort into my social media in high school. And now I just honestly use it as a tool. Like I used to use it more for entertainment. And now like, I'm super into LinkedIn, which is kind of embarrassing, because I'm 20 years old, but I have made so many great connections and have networked. And I met you through Instagram and like, look at where we are now. So it is a valuable tool and I don't want to bash it because there have been so many amazing opportunities that have come out of social media for me. But at the same time, you do need to be a little bit weary of the bad parts of it as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way to summarize it all is to say that there's certainly a lot of good that come from it And and I'm the same way. I mean, that's what I use social media of course, to make yeah. connections with people. I mean, that is my primary use for it. Would I love to have hundreds of thousands of followers and you know be killing it and making money? Yeah, of course, that would that would be a lot of fun. But I'm really not. I'm really not that funny. Um, hey. <laughs> I'm not that good looking. I, I don't have a ton of money. Yeah, you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah, the content that I can put out there you know, only, only reaches a a certain mass, but yeah, I love it for the connection point. And, but I, even though I'm not the one like doing the comparisons and things like that, maybe from like a, you know, body or a, a a work title or, you know, whatever it is, what I can't stand about social media is the negativity that is, I think more prevalent than, you know, the, the good stuff. Right. Um, and so you know that that's where yeah i think that's where um you know a lot of coaches when they ask me to address social media which which i laugh at because i'm like i mean i i am a millennial but (laughs) often the coaches say to me you know it's they're just like they're drained and when i when they say they they're they're talking about the athletes so like they're they're drained because of social media like they're they're so worried, you know, it's a combination of being worried about, like you had said, putting the right picture up, getting the right filter, putting the, the best caption up, but it's also all the crap that they're reading, whether it's about them or their program or their school or a friend. And it's like so detrimental to, you know, to gay. I can't imagine being a big time, college football player or one of these you know as you talked about earlier these schools and these programs that have the national attention right and like missing a field goal to win a game right. and getting getting death threats and right. uh, it, I mean who who in their right mind has that amount of time exactly. to come after a you kid go
0: it. you go to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: right yeah you go kick the field goal exactly
0: if you're not worried
1: and so like that, that is the part at least that, you know, coaches have asked me about and say like, how do we get around this? And, and I'm like, I don't know that there's a way around it. And, and that might, and that might be okay. You know, yeah. it might be, it might be to the point where we have to stop saying like, you know, I had a professor in college, I remember who would get so angry if we had our <laughs> phones out in class like as soon as you walked in so like we're sitting there waiting for them for him and as soon as you walked in if he saw a phone he would get so mad (laughs) you just can't be like that
2: these days and
1: I've heard I've heard you know coaches at the professional level I've heard college coaches I've heard them talk about like they let their players just have their phones in their hands you know just like it was I mean I have I've been working remotely for you know, roughly four or five years now. But when I was in the my my last office job, like my phone was was with me in my hand, like when I was at a meeting. Like I'm not like locking it in a drawer, or putting it in my locker and <laughs> yeah, you know, things like that. And so I think like I think we just need to maybe reframe if we're try- if, if social media is going to be here and it's going to present all the challenges that we've talked about, let's stop trying to think of ways to go around it yeah. or to like get people to shut it down or to yeah. filter themselves. And let's start talking about ways that they can use it for good, right? Use it for good for themselves, use it for good for their program and, and like incentivize it to be a good thing. And, um, you know, I think also, you know, like you said, having that person on your team who could be that filter for posts, maybe it makes sense too to have somebody who can, you know, I know this is what like psychologists are for, you know, therapists and things like that, but you know, it, especially if you are reading negative stuff about yourself or yeah. a teammate, you know, have somebody who can address things pretty immediately, yes. you know, like kind of, kind of be there right away. And, and I don't know that always like a head coach or an assistant coach is necessarily qualified to do that. And so, you know, maybe that's something that universities, for example, need to look into is, is having somebody capable of jumping in right away, just knowing how harmful that can be, you know, like worst case scenarios, which we just won't even talk about, but, you know, even just some of the, the negative talk and, and the way that can affect mood and, you know, those type of things. And so, I, I don't know, it, it, it's obviously not a, a real solution to everything, but I do think the realest part of the solution I can offer is let's stop trying to go around it and let's start to try to use it for good.
0: I think when you bring up, that point where coaches are saying my athletes are drained, like part of that totally is seeing all those negative things that are out there. But for instance, like I don't really see that much negative stuff on social media, but I'm drained just because I'm constantly stimulated. So like I go to class, I do my homework, I go to practice, I do my homework, I eat dinner, I do my homework. And then I'm on my phone (laughs) and never in that day have I had five even like one minute like when I go to the bathroom I'm on my phone (laughs) like when I'm walking from one destination to the next I'm on my phone and I know it's bad like I know and I'm aware that I shouldn't be doing these things but it's also almost become like a necessity like I need to check my group me in between class because what if practice time changed or I need to answer my friend's text so she knows what time I'm meeting her for lunch like these little things that just it's just constant simulation. And I think that's almost more dangerous is like, for example, my attention span ever since TikTok has become a thing has literally significantly decreased. And there's (laughs) obviously no like science or I haven't done a study on myself, but I struggle watching movies with my family. Like, I'm like, we need to watch a TV show. I can only like, I cannot focus on a movie for an hour and a half. And, I think that's because I'm constantly scrolling onto the next, onto the next, and my mind's constantly going, like focusing on one thing for an hour and a half is a struggle now. And that's yeah. scary. And kind of to put this on its head. I, my teammates and I have talked about how valuable practice time is because that's the only three hours during the day where we are literally not allowed on our phones or allowed to be consuming media because even in class, like I'm a communications major. So a lot of what we do is looking at media and I'll be on in class, looking at Twitter and Instagram, because that's what we're doing in class. But I, there's something so great about going to practice, zipping your phone in your mouth guard pouch, <laughs> going out on the field and coming back and being like, I know I didn't miss much because all the people who would have been communicating with me are right here. Yeah. <laughs> so It really is like, I don't know what I would do without a sport. Like would I put my phone in a drawer for three hours? Probably not. I really don't know how else I would get that forced time where I'm away from my phone and without consuming media.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, not to, uh, I guess, scare you or anything, but uh, there's there's no time in my day-to-day where I'm without my phone that long, especially now with, with my daughter. But yeah. yeah, I even, even though to the extent, I don't know that I am on it to the extent that you are, but I'm certainly on it quite often. And, um, you know, I'll put it in my, we go for a post dinner walk you know, pretty much every single day, 15 minutes, you know, maybe and I put my phone in my pocket, you know, just in case we need it. And I find myself every once in a while, like reaching into my pocket getting ready to pull it out and, I, and I've gotten to the point where I stop myself I'm like no okay I can I can do this for 15 minutes like if someone really needs me they'll call
2: yeah and, and
1: then I'll yes. then I'll pick up the phone but like the fact that I yeah you know, I'm like oh, I'm like a junkie you know like yes. <laughs> reaching I, into my yeah. pocket <laughs> no,
0: but I think that's another aspect of pressure is like always being on call you yeah. know I think always like I know I can contact almost anyone that I need to with a phone call or a text. Like there's that pressure in responding right away or answering that phone call or always being accessible to people who might need you. And like, I don't think that's existed to this extent before where like my parents would have to call from the house phone. If you're not at home, you're not picking up. But now there's that expectation of us that we're always on call and we're always willing to help and with whatever the situation may be. And sometimes like when I'm without my phone for three hours of practice, I'm like, what if something happened with one of my sisters and I'm not near my phone? Like that stresses me out. It's yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah. And I think what you're maybe hitting on too, that we could give some practical, I, I could at least give some practical advice yeah. around is setting some boundaries when it yes. comes to not just social media, which we talked extensively about, but anything communication wise. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I talk to my wife about this all the time. I pretty much have three time periods during the day where I'm doing emails. Yeah. Um, I will see emails come through. Like it's, it's not like I'm ignoring them, but I most of the time will only respond to emails in the morning at in the afternoon, like, you know, lunch-ish time yeah. and then right as I'm done for the day. And then I don't respond to anything until the next morning. Yes. And so right there, you know, that's the expectation. People know that I'm not going to respond to an email most times the next minute that you sent it, unless it's in the morning, like when I'm, or, you know, one of those time periods where I'm checking emails, then, then I'll respond. And I, and I try to do the same thing with, um, with text, with with anything, with my messages and my notifications on Twitter, I'll just leave them there, and I'll pick a time where I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna kind of bulk it and you know go go through it all at once." Um, I have my priorities for you know if my wife texts me, if my yeah. parents text me, I'm gonna check those ones. But um, you know, like you had texted me this morning, uh, yeah. I, I think with the the time change, right, yeah. uh, and. And it took me a little while to get get back to you, but i knew I knew you knew I was gonna get back to you yes, and exactly. and I was just trying to you know figure some some things out in the meantime anyways, I didn't have the an answer for you yet, so <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was like yeah i I could have and that's the thing too is like I could have responded and said. Hey, I'll get back to you, but then the text wouldn't have been there, and I could have forgotten. Like sometimes I just leave them unread, exactly. so that I'll remember to, to go back and, yeah. and do them. So I think maybe like setting boundaries is one of those small things that we can start to do from like especially from the social media perspective or any yeah. type of communication on your phone specifically. Mm-hmm. Like just pick some times. Don't you don't need to respond to everything right away. Take the red yeah. the yeah the red receipt off or you know whatever that is. Like do it on your own time. You're not saving lives for the most part, these people right. <laughs> that, uh, that that are listening to this. So, um, you'll know when, when it's an emergency and you need to, to pick up or respond to somebody, yes. uh, they, they should make that pretty clear, at least in right. my opinion.
0: <laughs> and on the flip side, like understanding that people set those boundaries. And like, I think sometimes I send a text and I expect an immediate response, but I just want an immediate response. I don't need an immediate response. It's nothing that's pressing that I need answered. I'm just like, all right, let's get this show on the road. Let's get convenience factor. Like, because I'm so used to that. I'm so used to shooting someone a text with a quick question, getting an answer within two minutes. And when it that time period becomes elongated, I get like annoyed. I'm like, come on. I know you're on your phone. Like, can you-? <laughs> I think like on the flip side, respecting those boundaries. And if it is something that you need a response within 30 seconds for like, call the person, you know, like, so I think it is a really good balance. Um, But the other thing I want to just talk about really briefly is how external pressure plays a role in the recruiting process. And I know that this was something that impacted me that I talked a little bit about last episode, but again, coming back to social media, when you commit to a school, most likely what you're doing is posting on your social media, your commitment for everyone to see. Like it's a thing where you go to that school and commit with the coaches and you have the photo shoot, or you stand in front of the college sign wearing your gear. And that's the picture you're going to post on Instagram. And you put the school name in your bio. And I see these TikToks and it's like, when you just wanted to put like whatever lacrosse 23 in your bio and now you actually have to play the sport like (laughs) to some extent like it is kind of like you want to post it for the clout, and like it's exciting and you worked hard for it but your commitment and where you're going to play does become a part of your identity and who you are at least in terms of social media and that's kind of continuing that conversation of identity from last episode as athletes so I think that's a whole nother layer that is a stressor in terms of the recruiting process is finding the best school to post on Instagram or put in your bio and knowing once you post that, someone's going to Google it and look at the acceptance rate and the division and whatever it may be. And that's all accessible at your fingertips. So I think it's just another layer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what's really unfortunate, I think about social media in general is it's super easy to get duped into something into, yes. or to think that, you know, something is better than, you know, it actually is because somebody has a really good social media team and, right. and has you know some some great posts out there uh you know it, it, all of these things that we talk about just like with the internal pressures external pressures they you know like the, the way to tackle them is to feel confident in your ability to right. do it so like if, if you're talking about the recruiting you're like, okay, I picked Davidson college and you can't, you have to be convicted in your decision. Like you can't, you can't be like, all right, when I put Davidson in my bio, what are people going to say when they see this picture? Are they going to laugh? Are they going to ask me how come I didn't do this? And it doesn't matter what other people think. Like you, you should, you know, trust yourself enough to do the homework and the research and make the connections to make an informed decision about what the next stage of your life is going to look like. And, you know, I think that's, that's, it's hard to do um, because people will lie to you. People will tell you what they think you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in recruiting, <laughs> they, they just, you know, they just, they just want, they want you for your athletic prowess. So they'll, they'll do anything to exactly. get you And um, Yeah. I, I, To go back to what I had said earlier, I know external pressures are less controllable and they can be more detrimental. And whether we're talking about social media, whether we're talking about crowds at a game, whether we're talking about, you know, I I don't know, any other external pressure that comes up, just like with these internal pressures, you have the ability to control it more than you think you do. And like control, again, is one of those words that gets a negative connotation attached to it sometimes. But you do need to take control of situations when they go whack out of crazy, right? (laughs) Like somebody's got to step up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And COVID, like that was something that no matter how much you had mastered your internal pressure, we could not control that for better or for worse. I mean, definitely for worse, but it was... Crazy. No one had prepared for that. No one, no matter if you were the most mental and physical healthy human being in the world, you were not ready for that. And I think that taught me that things can flip on its head so easily. And it's not about, like, I always go back to this quote where life is like 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I really think that's true when it comes to external pressure. Like, These things are going to happen. Someone's going to bash you on social media. Someone's going to boo you in the crowd. Your coach is going to tell you you made a crappy play, whether you're trying your hardest or doing your best or not. Like these things are just at the end of the day, like they're almost guarantees that things are going to go wrong and go out of your control. And it's not about the situation. It's about how you're able to internalize it and have those skills in your toolbox to tackle it effectively. And that's what we're trying to figure out, right? Like how are we becoming a master of performing under these pressures? How are we equipped to deal with the external and internal pressures that we're all facing on a daily basis that are expected or unexpected? So I definitely think it all ties into the bigger mission of our podcast and just trying to figure out how can we master these crazy things that we have absolutely no control over.
1: (laughs) Less, less control than, than we have with our (laughs) internal (laughs) pressures for sure. Yeah. We, we obviously can't control a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these things, but like you said, your response, that's, that's an important piece. And I think that's what we've been talking about this whole time. It's like, how do you respond to all the social media pressures? How do you respond to any type of external pressure? That's going to be a big difference in whether or not you're happy, whether or not you're successful, literally the same thing I said about internal pressures. It's, it's the same thing with external pressures. So yeah,
0: absolutely. All right. So thank you all so much for listening. Next episode, we're going to talk about a different kind of external pressure and kind of how coaches play a role in that we're going to hear from some incredible coaches who are willing to share. So definitely stay tuned and thank you so much for listening.